0: To Town Square. I'm Beth Ann Kozlovich. As we like to tell you each week, this conversation includes you, and the phone lines are open at 941-3689 or 877 941 3689 If you are among the 61% of Hawaii voters who chose Hillary Clinton on Tuesday, seeing today's picture of President Obama shaking hands with President elect Trump probably shook you to your core. But for the just under 30 percent of Hawaii voters who chose Donald Trump, the handshake shot vindicated their long-held belief that the country needed a huge change. Either way, we'll all move into whatever the next four years bring. Whether and how both sides are able to approach each other without further cleaving communities is a key question. Perhaps in Hawaii it's more easily answered. We often talk about living with aloha and the profound differences between Hawaii and the mainland. But in the aftermath of this polarizing election, the palpable anger, grief, and fear posted on social media suggest otherwise, even in a state run by Democrats, now including a single-party Senate. Tonight on Town Square, where and how do we go from here? To answer that question, I'm joined by Dr. Martin Johnson. He's a clinical psychologist and the director of the Hawaii Center for Psychology, a private psychotherapy center. He's here today as a representative of the Hawaii Psychological Association, leading resource for psychological health, research, and policy in the state of Hawaii. Also joining us is Professor Catherine Almer. She is a social psychologist at Hawaii Pacific University. Her research focuses on the impact of hatred on relationships and people's perceptions of those they hate, as well as the nature of prejudices. And Zachary Oliver, Ed.D., joins us. He's the Vice President of Academic Affairs for Argosy University, Hawaii. And, of course, you're here, too, and we want to hear from you. Again, our number is 941-3689 or 877-941-3689. Thank you all for making time in in a very stressful week for a lot of people. President Obama noted the importance of a peaceful transfer of power. He reminded everyone, that the sun will rise, but for people of color, many women, immigrants, the LGBTQ community, American Muslims, there is deep fear over what is going to happen next and that future that may very well see the undoing of a progressive agenda. Martin Johnson, how do people start to confront this incredibly debilitating fear?
1: Well, you know, I think there are uh, several things that we need to do, I think the very first thing is to uh, just come to a level of acceptance and I think for many people in this election, because it was such an unexpected result, um, just getting to acceptance is a difficult part. Um, I think there 's a lot of denial as i 've spoken to people, I hear a lot of people saying that they feel viscerally ill, like physically upset and physically ill. Um, And I think that's a level of sort of shock as well as um, sort of, you know, emotional upset. Um, But coming to terms with, yes, this has happened. This is the reality. um, As President Obama said, the sun rises tomorrow. um, I think it's also important to begin to get a sense of perspective on this, um, that uh, not to necessarily normalize it, but. To sort of put it in place within the context of your life, right, personally, and also in the context of the republic historically, um, uh, that, you know, there's, uh, there's faith in the democratic process and in the balance of powers in the Constitution. Um, the country has survived a lot of things. Um, and, and, you know, there's, uh, there's no panacea here. It may be upsetting and is upsetting to many people, half the population at least. Um, but to sort of begin to get your your mind and your heart around it in that sense.
0: Catherine Almer, you just heard what Martin Johnson had to say about not normalizing mm-hmm. this, but being able to come to grips with it and find mm-hmm. some way forward with it. How do you begin to have that kind of conversation? That's a good question.
2: question. I think for many people, especially those who are minorities and people of color, immigrants, LGBT community, they have a legitimate fear for what has occurred, given that certain policies he's spouted from the beginning, uh, Donald, uh, President-elect Donald Trump, they, they have legitimate concerns and fears, and it's understandable. And there should be a place eventually where those concerns can be communicated. At the same time, I think What's interesting is that when we come to an acceptance, at least of what's, of what's happened, what's occurred, then I think change can actually occur. If, if we keep in the state of denial, we're not going to be ac- actually able to face the issues that confront many of us who are uh, not the majority or not part of the elite. Um, that being said, I don't think that we should quell our fear necessarily. I don't necessarily think that it's it's important to not have that anger or upsetness. I don't think anyone can operate fully rationally or well if they're constantly afraid. At the same time, I think it's a, it, you have to have that fear, but be able to communicate that, be receptive to the other side, find a way in order to um, feel like, okay, why is it that for many people, their mothers and fathers voted for Trump or their 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 families and their friends. So it, it's important to find out, okay, why is it that you're supporting this group that might be actually against me? And I think having that open dialogue is really important to also moving on as well as the acceptance.
0: If you can yeah. get to that point of open dialogue, yes. in some <laughs> families they're not even talking to each other.
2: I know. I mean, we need to find a way. We need, to, we, we need to have that kind of modeling where we're able to have those open dialogues, safe spaces where we can have the, that way. And maybe, the places for that to be honest with you, our universities are places in which people can have a a place where they go to and they can, like, look, I can hear other people's points of views, I I can be able to have a back and forth, and we need those opportunities, especially here in Hawaii, where our population is largely minority, is not part of a majority base, you know, census records. So we are the most mixed and racially racially um, a minority group in, in, all of, in, all of, in all of the United States. So it's important that we have that opportunity to do that.
0: Zachary Oliver, jump in here because Argus University is a non traditional type of university, but you've got a lot of people and a lot of cross currents. How do you take some of the conversations that you've been hearing there and some of the real angst that you have students spouting? And and begin to see a way forward to to have this conversation that both Catherine and Martin are talking about.
3: It's interesting. Argus University is nontraditional, and in that way, we're we're incredibly lucky in that the classrooms are filled with students of all different ages. So we have um, every every point of political view represented in our classrooms, uh, and every age group and every ethnicity. Uh, in every identification of, of, of every resort. And it's something that we're really proud of that we're able to foster a safe space. So we've really been making sure that our classrooms are safe, that people can say what they need to say, they're respectfully listened to, and then we try to foster empathy from there.
0: We are taking calls tonight as we always do. Our number is 941 or 877-941-3689. Really looking at how how can you go forward in this if you have a family where maybe you have very divided opinions or with friends who are deeply concerned or maybe you're you're just angry as all get out and uh, how is the way forward here looking for mm. you? We want to hear 941-3689 or 877-941-3689 going to Craig calling us from Kauai. Aloha Craig, welcome to Town Square.
4: Uh th- thanks very much. Um I I'm liberal, but I try to keep an open mind, and I have I trying to come to some an uh, out loud questions on on how we arrived at at this um, outcome. I have a daughter who's going to be going to Wellesley, and was looking forward to mm-hmm. ha- having Hillary as the first president. Mm-hmm. But um, I think the media and and the liberal media, like CNN, and actually either ac- accidentally contributed to having that Trump supporters become sufficiently motivated to, to where they got uh, that that constituent group that supports Trump that was kind of in the middle that could have gone mm. left or right became motivated enough to move. And, and the point I would try to make briefly is when when you have um, every single shooting of a of the of, of a black person. So scrutinized by the the media and and the, the police are are blamed even when it. I guess what I'm trying to say is when when liberal media overreaches and makes every single cop a person, and instead of a, a balanced coverage of the stories, then the people that are susceptible to becoming getting enough purchase, getting enough. Traction on their emotions to be angry enough to actually go over to to the Trump side, the dark, you know, a darker side than what we want as far as so, mm-hmm. socially and and other other things. At least on his personal personal qualities. Okay. So I, I'm wondering if liberal media needs to do some introspection and actually be a little bit more not necessarily balanced, but cover both sides of the stories with the same scrutiny of facts, or so that. Every single killing of a black person just doesn't okay. make let, all let, white let, let's people t- bad. Let's, let's take so that. That's uh, my question. Did, did the liberal media accidentally mobilize and give what, motivation to what, a it, group? A cons-
0: it's a little off topic. We've got psychologists with us tonight, but thanks very much for the call. The way, in, the way in which this was covered, thanks, Craig, the way in which this was covered, there's been a lot of conversation about whether or not liberal media became the mouthpiece for the Obama administration, whether there wasn't enough coverage of Trump or what, it, or what kind of coverage there was of, of Donald Trump, that there was no real uh, understanding that maybe this could even go in that direction. And so the way in which it was looked at was not perhaps as serious as it should be or not as balanced as it could have been. Zach? Zach?
3: I wanted to congratulate Craig on his daughter's acceptance to yeah. Wellesley. <laughs> oh,
0: okay. Well, that's good too. <laughs> I think
3: that's an incredible achievement and and I think these are the kinds of things we need to focus on. I mean, that's she worked really hard. Uh, she did, you know, checked all the boxes and um and she's earned this right to get an incredible education. But like
0: education. a lot of young women though, she is according to her dad feeling a sense of a real disappointment at Absolutely. not seeing the first female president. I mean, there were T-shirts that people had yeah. printed that said, the future is female. Uh, lots of, of enthusiasm around that and the whole idea of having broken through that, that type of a glass ceiling. Mm-hmm. There are plenty more that uh, many others will be having to fight to break through. But for young women like that, let's just mm-hmm. take that up for a second. Yep. How do young women begin to process some of this when it seems so likely that they were going to see a role model in the first woman president.
2: Oh, absolutely. I think that's a real issue. I think we were set up from the beginning to think, oh, my gosh, Hillary Clinton's going to be the first female president. And then Wednesday morning, that did not happen. And for many people, their dreams were deflated. It was absolutely devastating for most people. And that needs to be seriously considered. So how do you move forward from there? I think we have to consider two two factors here. I think when I was looking at Tuesday night at the map um, on Google Maps for when – uh, how much, uh, the, where the states were going, red or blue. I was shocked at certain things. Like, for example, I'm from Cedar Rapids, Iowa. So it shocked me to find out in Iowa was going red. I, I, was, I was really astounded by that. And then Ohio, right? And then there was Michigan, and then there was Wisconsin, and then Pennsylvania. That just blew my mind because I was like, oh, my gosh. These, the, I was really thinking that this was going to go blue but they didn't go blue. And many of them have been yes.
0: traditionally blue for such a long time that it was taken as almost a gr- for granted. Yeah. Even Virginia. It took it, so yeah. long to be able to call Virginia.
2: Exactly. And w- But when you think about it, w- we have to analyze the fact that you know, Donald Trump went to a lot of these places where in these, if you look at the actual maps of the counties, a lot of the rural areas voted for Trump. And for a lot of them, they're the working class, they're individuals who were really trying very hard, I think, to be able to have a voice heard. And for many of them, and, and I, I'm, I'm putting this this term forth, not necessarily the scientific term, but there's a lot of people who, who were considering themselves endangered white males. A lot of the fact that they didn't feel like their voices were being heard, that their power was being taken away from them, and they had established a base that well, suddenly now just going to take it over. And when you think about it, they had to face uh, quite a bit of a bit of change. Um, you know, when you know, f- for the longest time, they've been dealing with a traditionally black president for eight years. For eight years, they had a black president. And now what was, they were being told is now a woman is going to become president. And for many people who are part of an authoritarian establishment for them, that was threatening. That was largely threatening to them. And then we saw that in their votes uh, on Tuesday night. We saw that they were coming out going, look, this is who we're going to vote for. Because what's next for them? For many of them, the next thing after a woman president would be like a gay president or a transgender president or somebody of another minority group. And that can be very frightening for a group of people that don't see that group as an established norm.
0: But come back to the idea Uh of what happens to now a whole complement of young women going off to Mm -hmm. college or in college, Mm -hmm. who, as you say, were completely deflated. Martin, as a parent and also as a psychologist, Mm -hmm. how do you speak to young women who are now looking at this and, as Catherine says, deflated because what they thought was going to be there for them is is clearly not Mm -hmm. and, in fact, may go quite the other way Mm -hmm. and they might find themselves in a worse position?
1: Well, I guess first it's important to acknowledge I'm talking about earlier, I was talking about acceptance, that within the acceptance, people have every right to their upset. Mm -hmm. You know, this is very upsetting for good reason Mm -hmm. to half the nation. Um, And I think for young women in particular, um, I have nieces who are um, history professors on the Mm -hmm. Um, mainland. Hopefully, right, what they take out of this after the initial legitimate disappointment is a determination to move forward Mm -hmm. and to continue to to push forward. Um, One of the things that that will help people get through the upset of this is to sort of uh, take inventory of what are their values, right, that has them upset. Why is this so upsetting, mm-hmm. right? And for the young woman looking for mm-hmm. the, the woman to break the glass ceiling yeah. in the presidency, that might be one yeah. of those values yeah. legitimately. And then once you identify what those values are yeah. – uh, you know, Join with others and take action, take constructive Something. action, and that will move you through the – again, I'm the clinician here. That will move you through that up, the emotional upset and that sort of feeling of um, uh, illness and almost you – know, it can be sometimes paralyzing, and it doesn't have to be. Yes. It's fine to have those feelings, accept those feelings, express those feelings, and then get really in touch with what you're aligned with. I'd like to go back very briefly because Professor Almer was raising a very good point, And because I'm on radio, I'll, I'll acknowledge I'm a white male. I'm an older white male, and I'm actually originally from the deep south, right? So, oh, God, an angry old white guy. Um, but, you know, I think there's really some truth to the fear of um, – of, it, it, you know, basically a privileged and empowered minority losing some of that privilege and some of that power going Excellent. into fear and reaction. I think mm. that, uh, Professor Amr is, is really right on it there. Um, but I also think that that the the important thing for people to come to grips with is mm. that the next president might be might be gay, or might be white, mm-hmm. or might be brown, or mm-hmm. might be Asian, or might be black. You know mm-hmm. it, that it's really uh, in here in Hawaii. It's much easier. We're we're living in a mixed society mm-hmm. where there is no one majority. Um, doesn't mean mm-hmm. privilege doesn't exist, but there is no one majority, and mm-hmm. so we're used to seeing each other that mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. And the governor may be. Sure. A woman mm-hmm. or maybe of this minority mm-hmm. or that minority or and this you know ethnicity, that, uh, and that's just the way it is. We're,
0: we're watching America become more brown. I mean, yes. that's not going to mm-hmm. stop either. Mm-hmm. So exactly. some of the very realities of life, by mm-hmm. their very nature will be changing what yes. we see in future. It's how we get to that future that we're all That's deeply right. concerned and about. That's right, and how we quell
1: that fear that Professor Almer's pointing mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. right? Well, well, we've got and, lots of mm-hmm. callers.
0: Can I oh, interrupt sorry. you for a of second? Of course. Yes. Unless yeah, you want no to worries. talk about this some more, I want no, to make sure sorry. we can get some of our audience in here, no, too. Worries. Reggie calling us from the North Shore. Aloha. Reggie, welcome.
5: Hi, yes, I was calling, and your your guests actually uh, were giving a good segue to my comment. And um, I this is the first time I felt some actual visceral... Um, this, I, I thought to myself, this must be what those silent people that really detested Obama feel, because that's what I feel about mm-hmm. what's happened now, just, and I've never felt that towards anything, so I thought that gave me an interesting mm-hmm. perspective and a feeling that I've never experienced in my life mm-hmm. towards another person.
0: You're really just, really walking mm-hmm. in somebody else's shoes, you've got those yeah, feelings. and yeah. and then not even, and it's
5: not like I um, support what hate, But just the fact that I felt it myself was really quite shocking and gave me an understanding of that other side that felt like their voices were suppressed for a whole eight years, right? <laughs> but, um, which is not a very long time considering the rest of the voices that were suppressed for many centuries before that. But um, anyway, so I just wanted to add to the conversation in that, you know, I was blinded by my own echo chamber and confirmational biases surrounding people, Surrounding myself by like-minded people, thinking that yes, we're finally uh, you know—changing the demographics and the that old um, patriarchal brotherhood is slowly disappearing. Because look at look at what happened when clearly they were just being so silent because mm. they felt afraid of expressing their own voices and mm. they found candidate that championed them. And that's actually, I guess, that's all I have to say.
0: Reggie, thanks very much for the call. The idea that you know many people were simply resounding in their own echo chambers Mm -hmm. and surrounding themselves with people who had similar perspectives. Well, we know from so much social science that that's what people do. We Mm -hmm. are far more likely to seek agreement. And it's so Mm -hmm. easy. You know, a click of a mouse, boom. You Mm -hmm. can find thousands Mm -hmm. of people to agree with you than to go off and look for a competing Mm -hmm. perspective or even just a different perspective, something that you hadn't thought about before, So, uh, you know, that's a different kind of lesson that maybe a lot of people Mm -hmm. never thought they Mm -hmm. would be experiencing. Going to now, Baloo calling us from Kalihi. Aloha, welcome to Town Square.
6: Hi. Okay, I just wanted to say one thing. This election, there's a lot of unfairness here. Um, The media seem to, like, want to always balance uh, uh, Trump against Clinton. When Clinton was, I mean, she did things that were wrong, she made mistakes, but what Trump did with his participation the Russians and and you know all the cheating and the, and the lying and the, all that and the help from the FBI at the, at the end, it was just really unfair. So being angry, I can't blame you for that. But like the doctor, the therapist said, we need to remember that he's still a he's still a man, and um and he's and we had to make sure that he loses house in the Senate in two years. You have to be careful and just do the best we can to keep our cause alive, to keep the progressive cause alive, and to fight as hard as we can. Now, I'm going to ask for some advice, and that is I have two friends, a husband and wife, who are waving signs for Trump at, um, mm. on the street before the election. And then on their Facebook, they have spread all over the place. <clears throat>
4: but,
6: I mean, And some of this stuff is just awful. I mean, it's... Um, so it's like I, I know that I can't be around them for a little while because you know they're you know all that. so it's like you know they they won this election they think that that is over than that. so, so you know, the question is, is so if, if guys, I can
0: below if I can kind of jump in here and cut to this, so your world question is is how do you begin to reestablish this relationship? Do you want to reestablish this relationship? I,
6: in some ways, yes, in some ways no. I mean I would well, that's the first um, thing I think
0: you got to figure out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah All right.
6: I, I, I agree. I agree. I mean, there are families
0: that are split, and people who will not talk to each other for years over things like well, this I, easily. I didn't
6: for this to happen, but when we're so giddy over this victory, um, you know, it just you know it's hard to be around them now. So it's like.
2: Okay. Well, I think Professor Almore has some advice for you. So here's something to consider. So when you consider how your anger and your hate might cloud your judgment, I don't know if you've ever, have you ever been angry or something, and then you send an email and then you send it and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I said that. I shouldn't have said that. Oh my gosh. So we have to consider the fact that this is an emotional issue for sure. And if you want to establish a relationship with them, it's going to come at a certain amount of cost for you. And here's where it is. You have to take at least some time or at least a moment to actually want to consider yourself wrong uncertain in your beliefs and values. And I know that might be impossible for some people or difficult. But when you want to open a dialogue to somebody else, you have to be open to the idea that your perspective of that person and their values could possibly be erroneous. Now, I'm not saying that their values are more legitimate than yours, or that their perspective is better than yours. But it's the idea that at least, you know, if you want to have that relationship, if you want to have some communication, then at least establish to yourself, okay, Maybe they have some legitimate fears and concerns, too, that we need to talk about. And by actually listening to them and opening yourself to them, then you can possibly voice your concerns as well if they're also open because they have to give that, too. But if they want to have that kind of dialogue with you, they have to be open to your side as well. But that's something that has to come from both sides. Both sides have to be able to be in agreement to be like, okay – you know what? I need to prove myself wrong in the situation as well. It, it's really it's rare it's rare that we go outside and We're we not, want to prove not ourselves not really wrong. Just yeah. wrong. But oh, yeah. they,
0: being willing to say I will listen that's exactly. a different stance that, than coming to it and saying I'm I'm wrong.
2: That, that, that That's a good point. But I think for many people, you have we have a view, a perspective on the other side. And we say, okay, they're just wrong. But the reality is is that you might be wrong in how you understand their views.
0: Okay, we're going to take some more callers because the phones have just lit up. Going now to Gary calling us from Honolulu. Aloha, Gary. Welcome to Town Square.
7: How are you guys doing? Right.
0: And thanks for your patience.
7: No, no problem. What a cool conversation. Uh, first off, I'm a liberal guy that lives in a very conservative household so watching the election on tuesday night uh, was brutal i mean it was like watching a slow motion train wreck um i was watching that and then the next morning i woke up and you know i was driving to an appointment and i felt literally kind of nauseous i'm like how the heck did that even happen and then I, then I did a little bit of reflection on it and I was thinking, well, you know, I don't want to be like how the Republicans or like a conversation, like the guy two calls before said, I don't want to be like the other people and how they judged Obama and mm-hmm. did other people feel the way that I feel now, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I thought, you know, what, what, what's good about the guy? What, mm-hmm. what can I do to support him? whatever his actual policies, and try to take some of the emotion out of it. That's mm-hmm. all I got.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, Gary. Thanks very much for the call. Thanks. You know, it. This is this is a, a tough conversation to have for a lot of people mm-hmm. because it means having to confront people who you may like or love and realize that you have very, very different ways of being and that maybe that's not something you can talk mm-hmm. about with them. And that's okay, too. I mean, some people are so angry. I mean, mm. very angry over all of this, even at this suggestion that we need to find a way forward. I mean, there are a lot of people very attached to staying upset right now. And we've heard sentiments like, he's never going to be my president. And anyone who says anything about moving forward, well, they can just shut up. And there are a lot of expletives that have been attached to those things that I can't say on radio. So do we really need to wait to approach people or see if they should be approaching us if they want to talk about something? Or or how do we not put any more fuel to this fire?
1: Well, I think, you know, Gary uh, had an interesting point, which is to to be willing to not simply go into negativity and sort of reevaluate sort of what's happened and, and where we are with it. Uh, one thing that has happened in this election is uh, very important, uh, I think by everyone's calculation, very important issues have been raised. Now, it's upsetting because for many of us, we thought those issues were resolved, um, and apparently they're not nearly as resolved as we had, had hoped and well, thought. Well,
0: clearly we, don't, we aren't living in a post-racial world.
1: Right, right. So mm-hmm. um, so if these are important issues and they are now raised, um, uh, you know, then the dialogue is very, very important in, in sort of getting... Uh, I don't want to say getting past because that seems to delegitimize people's feelings. That's not the point. The feelings are completely legitimate. Mm -hmm. But how long do we want to stay in anger? And -hmm. then where do we want to go? What do Mm -hmm. we want to do moving Mm -hmm. forward?
0: Well, that's a choice, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, how long you stay in anger is a choice. Mm -hmm. Mm Yes. Yeah. Okay. We're going to take some more calls at the moment. We've got lots of people calling in. If you want to join us, do it soon. 941-3689 or 877 941-3689. Going to Carl, calling us, I think, from Honoka'a. Uh, Carl, are you there? Carl? Yeah. Hi there. Welcome to Town Square.
8: Hi. Well, um, first I'd like to thank you for having this program because it's really helpful to hear other people that are as upset as I am. That's, it's, it's very helpful.
0: Well, we kind of thought that maybe we all needed to talk about this and hear each other a little bit and also see if there was a way that we can find to begin to approach the future. So thanks. I'm glad this is doing some good for you.
8: There's um, I've my own uh, journey through this. I realized first I, I really liked Hillary Clinton. I thought she was mm-hmm. going to be a maybe the best president I've ever seen, mm-hmm. and I'm in my sixties. So when I found out she was not going to be, I realized uh, I felt awful, and then I realized well part of this is grief because mm-hmm. I just lost something. Yes, it is. It's over. That's never going to happen. And then the other part I felt is. Donald Trump scares me. Um, his misogyny, his racism, mm-hmm. his lying, uh, the illegality of his business dealings, it scares me. And that scares fear and anger are two sides of the coin as far as I'm concerned. So either I'm I'm afraid or I'm just very angry.
0: All right, and I so hear well, can Obama, we, can, we, can we talk about that a little bit because I think you're articulating some feelings that a lot of people have Gary, so if we can just uh, – I'm sorry, Carl, if we can just take it from that point now. Mm-hmm. I want to talk to you all a little bit about that because mm-hmm. the things that he's just listed mm-hmm. are exactly the things mm-hmm. that are filling pages on Facebook, that are filling mm-hmm. tweets ad nauseum, that mm-hmm. you know people are, are just constantly going back and reflecting over all of these mm-hmm. things. And there is something that we all don't really know with this, and that is what's he going to do in the future? I mean, mm-hmm. he's flip-flopped on so many things mm-hmm. – that we, you know, in past performance, as we're often told mm-hmm. in the financial world, is not necessarily mm-hmm. indicative of what may happen with, you mm-hmm. know, future gains or losses. And that's a great deal of uncertainty, which also is adding to all the stress yeah. of this.
2: And, and I don't mean to add more to the stress here, but to, to also think about it this way, I'm going to add to the stress here. So I, when you think about it, it's not just Trump either, but it's also his followers. His followers feel like they now have a voice. They're empowered. They are now empowered. And that they have a mandate. Exactly. Exactly. So there is legitimate fear. What could happen to people? I mean, a lot of people have already been harassed. Minorities already have been harassed by many people. And that's it's only going to increase because, now they have somebody to represent them and to execute orders on behalf of, of their desires. So I, the fear is there, and it's real, and it, it, and it shouldn't in any way, in, in my opinion, um, necessarily be extinguished or quelled. But we also have to think living in fear isn't necessarily going to cause change, right? It, it's important to have that kind of fire in you, absolutely, and, and to, to surround yourself by other people that can help you. Um, at least feel like there's some sort of a connection and group. But I, I, I emphasize, again, that if you really want to see some sort of change, we have to be open to seeing the other perspective and learning where we're both coming from. There has to be an open dialogue. And that's why I think there needs to be safe spaces. There really needs to be spaces. And just like what we're doing right here, there needs to be a space where people can actually vent their concerns and talk to each other. And learn from each other's perspectives. We need to have that kind of controversy. Dissent is a part of democracy. It is democracy, and if we don't have that...
0: Well, we just watch democracy play out. I mean, the fact that there are many people who may be angry at the result Mm -hmm. doesn't negate the fact that this was democracy in action Mm -hmm. and that we are seeing the peaceful transfer of power that mm-hmm. you know yes we've seen some people out in the streets last night early mm-hmm. in, into this morning yes there may be a truck that was burned in la i mean mm-hmm. things that have been done that you know, would have been better perhaps not done for some people mm-hmm. but on the other hand being able to have a safe space to do something mm-hmm. peacefully yes is, is all part of it as long as we continue to see this peaceful transfer of power.
2: Well, inaction is also important, too. I mean, that kind of action is important in a lot of ways, but having some sort of inaction where you're actually in a place where you're just talking, you're communicating, you're open and receptive to ideas, that's really important to the atmosphere, absolutely. I
0: mean, has anybody considered the idea that, that this might springboard us, however painfully, into another place where we have more of this dialogue? Mm. And where people have to perhaps extend themselves a little bit more and listen to each other, if they're willing to that, to do that. And then again, there's the other side that says, no, this is just going to cleave us even further. And mm. some of the, the research that suggests that we may in fact see a worsening of, of relationships and uh, conditions in the next four years.
2: Well, if the conditions if, – if things actually worsen, if there is extreme – I, I highly doubt people can just stay quiet, any, any especially if a lot of his policies go through. I mean, if they start coming in and building a wall and taking your family out because they're immigrants or, you know, trying to convert you, you know, if you're gay, to being straight or taking away your birth, birth control because, you know, you're a woman and you're part of Obamacare, that's going to be upsetting to people. We, people just can't be quiet anymore about that. So if, whether we like it or not, if those things actually happen – people are going to have to speak. Um, if not then their their way of life is is going to change dramatically and if they want to take that quietly, okay, but at the same time it's, right. it's but that be will now. continue
0: to refine and define what America is yes. and what America wants to be going yes. into the future and and it may look very very different 4 Absolutely. years from now or perhaps 8 years from now. We see that you know, we see this swing that happens a great deal, and this is mm-hmm. nothing new to no, this particular no. election cycle. We're going to take some more phone calls going to I hope I have this right. Reway calling us from Hilo.
9: Yes, it's Murrayre.:
0: Hi there.:
9: Hi. I really appreciate this, um, this discussion. I think it's very healing, and I think we need more healing and love and everything that's positive right now. So I found myself getting more fearful after the election um, was announced. And I realized that that's what I've been most critical of of the Trump campaign and the supporters was the fear that they were you know, building. And so I really looked at myself and had to look at the hypocrisy within myself. And I think that so many of the comments your, your callers and also your guests have made have really hit the spot. I mean, to re-examine and to really look and see what kind of America we want to be, I'm in a really strange position because even though I was born and raised in California and I spent 17 years in Guam, now I've been 12 years in Hawaii and I've always felt sort of on the fringe mm. in my adult life. But I also have my Canadian citizenship, so it's so easy to just <laughs> want to do <just> <laughs> the <But>, um But... <laughs> Some so people would a lot envy, of predicaments, yes. but I have a lot of choices but then I well feel that's true so and, and,
0: and some people would behind. some people would truly envy your position I mean everybody made a lot of the fact that you know the Canadian immigration site just crashed during the mm-hmm. election and uh, couldn't couldn't get through to that for hours and hours and hours but beyond that though the fact that you are staying here and, and it seems like that's the choice that you're that you're making
9: this is well, go ahead I just think that um, because I've you know, what's strange is that, you know, he said we have to look at our values. Well, I, I've been an education activist. I'm a public school teacher. And I've been an education activist very actively for three years. been going to Washington, D.C. and lobbying for the new federal law. Now I feel totally derailed because we've been educating ourselves on the new federal law for education, the ESSA law. And now we have a president that claimed he was going to shut down the U.S. Department of Education. So I feel very derailed right now. And I'm just wondering, you know, how I'm going to move forward because I felt like I put all my energy in one direction. And now it's like, wait a minute. Am mm-hmm. I even going to have an opportunity to play out what Hawaii's version of that federal law will be?
0: Good, good, good point and good question because the, the ESSA mm-hmm. has mm-hmm. been you know, brought into being and there's the change from No Child Left Behind mm-hmm. To every student succeeds act, mm-hmm. and what that means mm-hmm. for teachers and, and states to be able mm-hmm. to reevaluate their own education system has been, uh, in many cases, seen as as a boon or or another mm-hmm. another rung of the you know the progressive agenda ladder that that was moving us forward in a way that we didn't see under No Child Left Behind. But for teachers and for others who are looking at a future where all this now comes into question, it's one more level of anxiety. Now you're mm-hmm. talking about your professional life yeah, sure. and your livelihood. Mm-hmm. You've got lots of teachers there. I mean, mm-hmm. do you have any sense? I mean, you're not dealing with ESSA, uh, Zachary, because obviously you're not, you know, K to 12, but you are dealing with people who are coming through from there. Mm-hmm. Any discussion among your academic cohorts about how this may change or how the very nature of what you do at mm-hmm. Argosy may change?
3: Sure. I, in the last few years, uh, everything has been very turbulent in education, not just K through twelve, but also in the higher ed sector. Uh, and so, it's been very exciting times. <laughs> um, I want to say um, just a big aloha to Reggie in the North Shore, who I think he should be celebrated for having taken a long journey in a very short time. Uh, he's done an amazing amount of internal work to come to this uh, this this really beautiful analytic position and he's ready for the empathy he's ready for a conversation to occur and and he just really said it wonderfully a couple of calls back uh, and, and and to say this to to Murray uh, Murray everything that we study everything that we put energy to uh, everything that we we undertake to 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 learn and to grow uh, it 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 becomes part of who we are uh, Nothing will change that, Uh, whether or not there's a Department of Education or not. uh, You have taken steps to become a subject matter expert on something, and no one can ever take that away from you.
0: All right. We've got lots and lots of callers on the line. Anybody else want to add into this thing? Otherwise, we're going to go ahead. Okay. We're going to move on. Going now to John calling us from Kaneohe. Aloha, John. Welcome to Town Square, and thanks so much for your patience.
10: No problem, and thank you very much for, for doing this. I think everyone's feeling kind of cathartic getting their, um, getting to be able to voice what's burning in their souls. And for me, um, I'd like to just spend a couple moments um, pointing out um, that the cities all across America, um, Hillary Clinton handily won. She won mm-hmm. not only the, the, the cities like New York, Manhattan, that she won 87%. Uh, but she won cities like Dallas, and she won cities like Houston. I saw that she mm-hmm. won Jackson, Mississippi. she won Salt Lake City in Utah. But you leave those cities and you go out into the counties into the countryside and it was blood mm-hmm. red trump yes. um, so i 'd like to point that out and The other thing I want to point out that 's been bothering me and i 'm glad I get this this little platform to uh, get this off my chest is there 's a man named Robert mercer are Are you familiar with this name? Mm-hmm.
0: Our panel is not, no. So why don't you go ahead and tell them who it is.
10: So Robert Mercer is a multi-billionaire. He's an extraordinarily successful hedge fund manager for a company called Renaissance Technologies uh, based on Long Island. And uh, he was the single largest funder to the Republican presidential election process mm-hmm. this year. He provided $13.5 uh, I believe, to Ted Cruz during the primary. Mm-hmm. And the head of that pack that he funded was Kellyanne Conway. When Cruz lost to Trump, this man, Robert Mercer, shifted his bets to Trump and installed Kellyanne Conway as Trump's uh, campaign manager. Shortly after that, this man, Bannon, showed up from Breitbart. Um, And I always wondered, you know, how do these far right wing um, places like Breitbart, they get their money. And the answer to that question, again, is is Robert Mercer. So Bannon and Conway both come from the both people who's been funded by this multi-billionaire, Robert Mercer. Mercer also funded the creation of a book called Clinton Cash, that the Breitbart organization gave to the FBI in New York City and got the FBI to reopen the email. So John, the email John, ex-
0: excuse me for a moment.
10: just a few days ago. Yeah, John, also John, hang, back hang to on a second. Guy, Robert Mercer. Yeah, hang, sorry. Go ahead. Hang,
0: hang on a second. I, I know that you want to go through the litany of all this, but in fairness to a lot of other people who are are wa- wanting to talk about how we move forward from here, mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you to cut it short. And if you have something that right. is, getting, is germane to that part of the question, that would be a good idea to talk. Is my
10: comment and, and having one person. Be in the shadows and be a puppet master, uh, and convince all of the counties to vote. Um, you know, all of the a lot of the, the Trump message comes f- from from a far right wing supporter billionaire named Robert Mercer that, no, that very few people are aware of. And so everyone's wondering what happened, and they've been manipulated by a multi billionaire named Robert Mercer. And there have so been many that- many
0: puppet masters. In in mm. past in many other elections and you know, mm. people pointed to the Koch brothers and others, yep. you know throughout other elections and and there usually are people like that. It doesn't happen by itself. Going to go now to Elroy, calling us. I'm not sure where Elroy. Where are you calling us from?
7: Uh, Maui, Sai.
0: Oh, great Maui, great. Yeah, so <clears throat>
7: so I'm a I'm a registered nurse uh, and 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 you know this, this this election has really left a very sour taste, especially it was won through demology and 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 you know this this he has clearly shown his colors either that it was an act that he's, you know that, that he's fascist that he's misogynistic and I just wanted to ask a question uh, since you guys are probably more in in, in, in the nose of, of what how come the electoral college is set this way and not. Like what were the founding fathers thinking in setting up an electoral vote? Well, okay, without, you, you know what, what I'm going to do,
0: Elroy. I'm going I'm to point you toward a segment that we did with Neil Milner last mm-hmm. week, I where see. we talked about the electoral college and you know the why. Sometimes when we have situations like this, we all get involved in these electoral college conversations, and then why nothing really happens afterward. If you go look on the archive for the conversation last Wednesday, you'll see that we have a a nice segment in there with Neil Milner, and it'll be, I think, more to the point about your question. Thanks very much for your call. Going to move on now to Kaui, calling us from Hawaii Kai. Aloha, Kawi. Welcome to Town Square.
8: Uh, Thank you for uh, getting me on.
10: You know, getting back to this question about healing, uh, can you hear me? We
0: can. Go ahead. Just make sure you're speaking right into your phone.
10: Yeah, okay. Um, So about healing, you know, my wife and I...
0: Cal, I'm sorry, Cowie, are, are you there? Okay, I think we dropped your line Something happened over there If I could ask you to please call us back That would be great 941-3689 is the number to call 941-3689 Meanwhile, we're going to go on to Margo from Palolo Margo? Code 9 Margo? Hello? Hi there, who do I have on the phone? If you'd like to make a call, please hang up and try again. Hello, David. Hi there, we, we appear to be having a problem with the phone, but keep calling, we're going to see what we can do about it, 941 or 877-941-3689 if you call us from the neighbor islands. All right, we've got John calling us from Tripler, Aloha John.
7: Aloha. Yes, I was totally taken aback by what took place the other day when they mentioned Trump had gotten the electoral college vote. I heard slightly later on in broadcast that Clinton had received the majorial vote. Mm-hmm. Go back to our constitution of the people, by the people, for the people. The Electoral College has taken that
0: away from us, I believe. Well, the Electoral College uh, was, was put into right? the Constitution. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, I mean, so what you're really talking about is having to have a constitutional amendment to take the electoral college away from the process.
7: Mm-hmm. I'm hoping so.
0: Well, <laughs> a lot of people have had that conversation after, a, a, yeah. well, most recently Bush. in memory in 2000 when yes. we had the whole issue with, you know, the the Gore and and mm-hmm. a Bush race oh. and and wasn't that,
7: that a mix-up too?
0: Well, I mean, the point of it is that <laughs> even at that point, having that. You see we are 16 years later and we still have yep. the electoral college as we have for all the years that we've had a constitution. Anyway, thanks very much for calling John. If you'd like to join us the phone lines are open 941-3689 or 877-941-3689. We're taking a look at how do we go forward after something that we all witnessed and felt and experienced on on Tuesday night. It was difficult for so many people, maybe that includes you. And the question is, how do we move forward into uncertainty with so much anger that is still being fomented by a lot of what we're seeing in the media and on social media in particular?
1: You, you know, Beth Ann, one of the things that uh, several of the callers have touched on that I think amplifies our fear and our anger uh, in, in the culture <clears throat> is the fact that there's so much uncertainty at this time. Yeah. He's president elect. There've been so many things that he has said, and that his uh, supporters have said, that seem uh, contradictory. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, well, how does that even work? Whether it touches on education or health care or immigration or, and all of these or, or reproductive rights, all of these are issues that touch people very viscerally, very, uh, very much close to home and in the heart. And and how do we? How would someone take away the Department of Education mm-hmm. uh, if they? repeal Obamacare I'm in the healthcare care industry um, what do they replace it with um, and, and how do you even peel it back right so just the logistic stuff, not even the politics of it should it be or should it not be
0: which means it's going to take time it's not going to yes, happen yes and, and it's right. very
1: unclear yeah. and in the short run, you know um, you know just taking uh, the Affordable Care Act for a moment, millions of people are suddenly left without insurance. You know, so unless they put together something else, which is going to take a lot of time and build a whole other consensus, right, it took how long to get the Affordable Care Act? So – but, you know, day one, you know, the rhetoric is day one. He starts taking this away. So that creates this uncertainty, which fuels the fear. And because these are issues that are close to home, our health, our reproductive rights, our immigration status, our our education, um, you know, it stirs people. Plus, on top of that, as as Dr. Amar rightly points out, issues of of race and gender and, Mm -hmm. and ethnicity. Um, you know, all of these things are are, are rattling. All of these mm-hmm. things are upsetting, and and mm-hmm. cl- put it on top of that, this layer of uncertainty about what it really means, what he really intends, and
0: whether he'll walk back some of that stuff because e- it exactly be tot- right. totally not yes. feasible, Sure. or so he'll right. have people around him saying, "Hey, you just can't do that." Yeah. I mean, we we have all been having conversations about. Well, remember that movie, The Candidate? Yes. You know, yes. Right. <laughs> yes. It's yeah. like, so so now, what do we do? Yeah. You know. Yeah. And you don't really know what's going on no. behind closed doors. We only all, all know what we see.
2: Yeah, and there can be a lot of switch and bait going on here. He could have been presenting himself as a certain light in order to get elected, but we don't actually know how he's going to pan out when he actually becomes in the office. We mm-hmm. we don't that that's something of an uncertainty. And I resonate with that. With that kind of uncertainty, what do you do? Do you how do you organize? How do mm-hmm. how do you collectively use that energy in a positive, constructive way? And and, and I have to just I have to just say this. But of those very conservative years that we've had, like when you think about the Reagan administration and Bush and, and so forth, some of the best art has come out, music mm-hmm. has come out of that, that, out of that time in frame. And comedy. Exactly, and comedy. Mm-hmm. And when you think about using your energy in that way, that's productive, that, that helps use the arts to communicate something, because many times we like to think, okay, we can convince our other side by just being logical, by just being by just being rational. But the reality is, as many people can listen to a song and go, you know what, I never considered that, or listen to a story and go, okay, actually that resonates with me. I can maybe understand the other side better. So that's just one avenue to think about using that kind of nervous energy. Energy in a creative and constructive manner. All right,
0: yeah. which is what kind of we're trying to do tonight by yeah. having this conversation. <laughs> exactly. uh, we're going to go now to Tauri calling us from Kona. Aloha. Welcome to Town Square.
11: Aloha. Um, I would like to quote Thomas Jefferson. If people of good conscience do not speak out, tyrants gain a foothold. And uh, I have a question about how to go about starting a petition that says politicians have to pass the same test that my two brothers who are pilots who fly (laughs) for commercial airlines, um, they have to pass the same test that a commercial airline pilot has to pass (laughs) because of our safety, for public safety, because I believe uh, Trump is a sociopath. (laughs) And I think when we get get sociopaths into office and we don't find a way to vet them that's how we end up with people like um, Assad and Hitler, et cetera. Yeah. All right. Well, you know. I would like to know how to start a petition to do
0: well, that's Seriously, that, I'm that, very that, serious. Well, there, there are lots of ways of starting a petition, and, and there are some that are, are specifically targeted to kind of what you want to do about that. But the bigger conversation is what is this going to bring about, and what kind of change are you really looking at, at trying to to foment in well, pilots, for example. No, no, I, no, I, no, I, I, you I don't want a pilot. I, I, I understand that. Hang, hang on, just hang on, Tawri, because I, I want to get our, our panel into all of this. Because people are angry and they're looking for something to do, yeah. and whether it's a petition or being able to get people together and say, "Well, they should be this" or "They should be," but in reality, that's not going to do anything for them right now mm-hmm. in in this situation. Except well, make know, them feel better about what may happen many years down the line, perhaps.
1: Well, you know, I'm going to slightly disagree with you, that. which I think uh, as somebody who's done psychological testing mm-hmm. and actually knows pilots uh, who have mm-hmm. gone through the psychological testing, it makes them very nervous, by the way, unnecessarily mm-hmm. so. Um, I think, you know, she, uh, the caller has a, a very interesting idea, which the larger picture of is, like, how do we vet our candidates? Mm-hmm. Um, how do we look at the people who are... Our leaders, and um, and and how do we approach that? I, I don't know that the the population as a whole, although I think it's an interesting premise as a practicing psychologist, is going to go for every person who runs for public office has to pass a psych screen. Um, but you know what, cops do too. So <laughs> you know, it's it's a very yeah, interesting concept. That,
0: that's the interesting part of it, right? The fact that you know to, to, when she says that she sees Trump as being a sociopath, yeah. and how do you kind of how do you deal with that? Well, this might set up something for. Politicians many yeah. years in the future, even if you could get it to that point. But the real point is how do you how do you and, deal and with? Trump I guess down? that's where
1: I was gently disagreeing with you, okay. which is to to clarify your values, right? And and to care, clarify what you care about, and then take the step towards it.
12: Well, that I makes think you feel better.
1: Well, not only does it make you feel better, which is true, and, and I you know as a, as a clinician, I, I'm encouraging people to do that to feel better. But also, if somebody hadn't started the women's suffrage movement yeah, at some exactly. point. And it would as, it was i'm sure at that point it seemed highly unrealistic and, and certainly not was yeah. going to be an immediate cure yes. um you know that pebble starts the snowball rolling um and and i'm i'm yeah. uh, I, I I guess my general disagreement is if this is what you care passionately about, do it. Then do it and right. get started now and, and, I, and, and I'm not do disagreeing your petitions with and go you, yeah. with
0: that at all. I okay. think I think but, that's that's mm-hmm. the whole point. But, and if you need to do something yeah. like that and it's something, yeah. that, and it's yeah. something that's constructive, and yes. I guess that's the big point. Mm-hmm. Is it's constructive?
2: And, and, and I think you, I think that anger, <laughs> just to resonate with you, Martin, is that mm-hmm. is that to have that anger and upsetness and and to have that those rational ideas, like why don't we vet them? Why don't we vet them properly? I think that's that's a good point. I think what we also need to consider is the logistics of the suffrage movement took a lot of effort and work and organization. And so if anything, if you, if you want to have some some actual effective change. You need to get a lot of people together. You need to yes. be able to organize. And you, you, it's going to take work. It's not something that you can just casually do on a Saturday afternoon. Exactly. It's something that you're going to have to actually put a lot of energy in. And I, I think we're going to see that. Hopefully, we're going to see that. Because that's going to be necessary if you want to see change. We have to come together. We have to organize. We have to mm-hmm. put the time into it. That's the only way that it's going to happen. Can All you- right. Go ahead. It
1: and goes back to the uh, earlier caller, Carl, who yeah. was thanking Beth Ann for this conversation because it made him realize that he was not alone. Yes. yes. And I think that coming exactly. together, whatever mm-hmm. side of the political spectrum you're on, right, sort of mm-hmm. deciding what you care about deeply and working with others to build dialogue mm-hmm. and create that movement that, that moves it in the direction okay. that you see us forward. Yeah, yes.
0: Going now to Jerry calling us from Maui. Aloha, Jerry. And we're coming up to close to the top of the hour, so I'll ask you to be brief.
12: Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for taking my call. You know, it, 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 this show is all about healing and moving forward, and I applaud your efforts for doing that. Uh, but but I will share with you. I'm quite taken back that uh, that the, the one of the one of the speakers said that you know we have white males who are out there that need mm-hmm. Um, You know, on the angle of sex, I'm a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. Well, have been from birth, of course. And uh, that, that's not at all why I voted the way I did. I'm an independent voter, mm-hmm. and I think I think we all need to take take a step back and have some common courtesy, respect, and dignity mm-hmm. for those who voted the way that they did. I think we'll agree that we had two candidates who were not necessarily the best representatives in character.
0: Mm-hmm. Some of the most and disliked we, we, candidates ever. Yes.
12: Yeah, absolutely. So I think we need to take back and, and, and respect and have common courtesy for the for the democracy that we have. We have representatives. We have So We have Tul- Tulsi mm-hmm. Gabbard. We have SHOTS. And if there are things that are going on that we don't like, once Trump takes office and once he starts to make his, uh, his administration clear and how they're going to move, then we have our voice through them. And let's exercise that. I mean, the protest and everything, come on. We're okay. Americans. Okay. Oh, I'm a 26 years, and this
2: really
8: bothers
0: me. Okay, Jerry, and I'm glad you called, and, and thank you for voicing your opinion briefly. Kenny, an- so
2: sorry, sorry. I just want to answer Jerry, there, because I might have made that, that endangered white man comment that might have upset him. I, I just want to be clear, though, that that was based off data. So if you look at, for example, Esquire 2016, they actually collected data from a lot of, of white men and, and men of color, and a lot of white men are are saying things that they're angrier than they were 10 years ago. That they're upset. They don't believe in the American dream. While more people, men of color, believe in in the American dream more than than white males. So I wasn't basing that off just my feelings or gut feelings. There's data to show that there is an angry white male population out there who did vote for Trump significantly more than they would have voted for Clinton. So I, I'm not making up any of that stuff. And I didn't mean an in offense in any way. If anything, I think... Um, I I think colorblind politics is not the way to go. And I think we need to acknowledge the fact that we come from different racial backgrounds, and we need to acknowledge that, and that there are certain privileges that some of us don't have or some of us do have, and that once we acknowledge those things, we can have a more open dialogue. But I I do appreciate your point, Jerry.
0: We all only have a couple more minutes before we have to say goodbye, at least for this town square. We may have to do this again. You may all have to come back again because it seems like there's a lot more angst out there. And certainly, we were never anticipating being able to get through the volume of calls that we've had. And I apologize to everybody who's still on the line and waiting. This is a tough thing, and it's not going to get, I think, easier for people to deal with uh, tomorrow or next week. But in starting to look at that, and some of our callers who have said that, like I'm going back to Reggie looking at. How do you begin to have that conversation with someone who is so other, Mm -hmm. first looking at yourself and being willing to have that conversation and being willing to be open enough to sit down and talk about it and to understand Mm -hmm. some of the populations? Because, for example, Clinton didn't do well. With a population under 40 either, I mean, with millennials and and Gen Xers, uh, there are lots of segments of the population that didn't feel heard in this Mm -hmm. election, and we're going to hear more about them as they come out. And as we've talked about in the the show, the shoe being on the other foot Mm -hmm. now, I mean, those people who felt highly disenfranchised and highly cut out of all of the discourse now have... Brought the spotlight to themselves, and others. Other people are feeling those very same mm-hmm. feelings. Mm-hmm. I want to go right around the table and just get a, a quick thought from each of you before we have to say goodbye. We've got just about a minute to mm-hmm. do that. I'll start with you, Zach.
3: It's been a very interesting conversation for me as well. Uh, I'm not a psychologist. I my background is in leadership, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm you know been very interested to hear about the all of this process. But what I think is democracy, democracy, um, disenfranchisement is toxic for democracy. That would be my final thought.
2: Okay. Catherine Elmer? Um, I just want to thank all the callers and thank you for having me. I think the best way in order to, to come to healing and an understanding is to be open to the idea that, you know, you, you might have a different point of view, and someone else might have a different point of view. And just being open to the idea that, hey, you could actually share some of those values would be would be important. you got 10 seconds.
1: And, and just to echo that, to under, to seek to understand the other point of view is a very good starting point. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean you agree or disagree exactly. or somebody's right or wrong. But if you're not understanding, that's the first step.
0: Martin Johnson, Zachary Oliver, and Catherine Armour, thank you so much for joining us. I think we will have to reconvene at a later date. And thank you, all of you, for your calls and and the calls we didn't get to. My apologies. Well, keep on, keep calm, and we'll see what tomorrow brings. I'm Beth Ann Kozlovich. See you tomorrow morning for The Conversation. Aloha.